This podcast is for educational and informational purposes only, and it is not meant for substitution or replacement of professional medical or health advice. This podcast may contain explicit language, taboo topic, controversial ideas, and triggering points of view. So we invite you to respect what is being shared, even if you don't agree. If you resonate with anything is being shared in today's show, please feel free to apply it into your own life. If not, we invite you to let it go. Welcome to the Mastering Life, Relationship and Intimacy podcast with Lucia Gabriela, a sacred space which means it's free of judgment, where we come together to learn and explore how to awaken, unleash, and unlock our inner master self. These podcasts feature experts in topic of life, relationship, and intimacy. In life, we will explore topics on health, wellness, nutrition, fitness, yoga, and spirituality. In relationship, we'll explore topics on self-love, being single, dating, online dating, romantic partnership, marriage, uncoupling, divorce, parenting, polyamory, family and work relationship, and money. In intimacy, we'll explore topics on tantra, secret sexuality, eros, conscious adult entertainment, kink, and BDSM. I am your host, Lucia Gabriela, a relationship and intimacy coach, integrative somatic therapist, tantra facilitator, speaker, co-author, and founder at Nuna Holistic Retreat Center in Sarasota, Florida, where we offer integrated therapists for individuals and couples to awaken, reignite, and embrace their true power. To learn more about any of my transformational coaching and somatic experiences, immersion weekend, and couples retreat, go to www.luciagabriela.com. And today's episode is about back in touch with intimacy with Dr. Stacy Friedman. Dr. Stacy Friedman is a clinical sexologist and certified sex coach. Dr. Stacy got involved in the field of sexuality because of her passion for helping people learn to experience the best sexual intimacy with themselves and with their partners. She holds a doctorate degree in human sexuality and has earned top credentials in her field. Set coaching is designed to help people of any sexual orientation or gender address their concerns about sexuality, sexual function, and sexual expression. Dr. Stacy works with all aspects of sexuality and specializes in women's issues such as painful sex, postmenopause, and low libido. Couples with mismatched sex drives who are wanting to rebuild intimacy and working with LGBTQ concerns. She offers complimentary consult and her coaching sessions are available by phone, online, and in a local office located in South Florida. You can learn more from Dr. Stacy at www.creatingintimacycoach.com. Welcome, Dr. Stacy. We're so honored to have you here on our show today. Thank you. I'm excited. I love talking about sex. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it's our favorite conversation. So today's conversation is about back on track with intimacy. 
And this is one of the great topics that many couples always looking uh, for solutions because it seems like at one point in their life, in their relationship, they've been together for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, or even five years, and something's happened that they feel like um, that they just they just missing something. Like sometimes sex is good, quote unquote, right? Uh, they have those fantasy sex, but intimacy is not there. So really excited about today's conversation. So before we dive deep into it, can you tell us a little bit more about you and why you're so passionate about helping individuals, couples, um, and your realm of work? Absolutely. Um, when I was actually in high school, it started way back then where people used to call me Dr. Ruth. They used to call me like the mini Dr. Ruth because I was the one person that everyone always came to to talk about sex, about relationships, dating. I think it was mainly because I was so open-minded. I never judged anybody when they came to me. Um, I was comfortable with myself, with my own sexuality. And even though it was high school, I still was confident in who I was as a person. And so it kind of started way back then. I went into college. I went into the psychology program. I wound up getting my degree, but then I decided to do something a little more medical and that's when I actually changed to be an ultrasound technologist. So I learned about the body, how things work, disease processes. And then as I got a little older, it just wasn't driving me like the field of sexuality did. So I started when my kids were born, because I wanted to stay home with them, I started working and doing the adult romance parties, you know, the toy parties, the plastics that wiggle and jiggle and makes your friends giggle, <laughs> um, and just fell in love with it, and people were coming to me, and, and I saw how many people truly needed help, especially with the intimacy. You know, people are hesitant to use toys or how to talk to their partners, and I found myself sometimes trying to sell, you know, selling a product. And then being in the room with them for almost 30, 40 minutes saying, I should do this for a living, <laughs> you know, not just trying to get them a product, but truly trying to help people. And uh, I just found it very, very um, exhilarating and, and just wonderful to see these people smile and change and get phone calls saying, oh, my God, what you told me helped so much. And it just made me feel really good to help others. So that's when I continued my career and decided to go back to school for um, my master's in clinical sexology, and then got my doctorate in human sexuality. And so now here I am in private practice, working with people all over the world by Skype, by phone, in session, in, in office, and get wonderful testimonials all the time, people telling me how much I've helped. So it just feels really good. Awesome. I love that. And sexuality, sex, it's such a great conversation to have in our daily life and in many times we suppress it and you know it had been that taboo that nobody wants to talk about it but it's the big, right. big elephant in the room that we need to address it and in relationship what I find working with with couples or individuals too is is the level of communication there's actually there's none of it um, and that's why I feel like sometimes is something is there when it comes to communication that is now allowing them to uh, dive deeper into intimacy. In your experience, um, working with couples or individuals, what do you feel is one of the biggest um, blockages that you know that they 
you know, that they come have. across that they have. Yes. Right. Um, I would say number one is fear. There's a fear of judgment. And what happens is many times that it, it sex, there's a subject of sex is so taboo that people are judged. And as a matter of fact, I was just working with someone the other day. And one of the things that caused them to have some type of performance anxiety is because they shared one of their intimate desires with their partner. And when their partner heard it, they're like, are you serious? Oh, my God, that's so weird. You're just, that's not normal. And so right away, they were kind of like, oh, gosh. And it kept it right back in. So therefore, they're not going to share their intimate desires with their partner. And they're not going to have as much of a satisfying sex life because they don't have that comfort to communicate their needs. So just because someone communicates, it doesn't mean that the other person has to do it or want to do it or think that it's something for them. But it's the way that people are communicating that causes a lot of those problems. And I think that so many people have such a fear of being judged that or they have been judged, which is legit for that fear. And so they just don't they don't speak like they should. And that's where you have people having affairs, people not being satisfied, coming back, like you said, 10, 15 years after their relationship and say, well, you never do this or you haven't done this. And people would say, well, how come you never told me? It's like, well, I brought it up one time and you laughed at me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think fear is a big thing. Yeah, definitely fear is um, is that emotion that uh, a feeling rejected, right? right? Like not just the judgment of it, but like what if I share this delicious, intimate, vulnerable desire mm-hmm. and then you laugh at me and now I feel rejected. It's like... Right. They bring it back to, you know, childhood aspect of rejection, and especially if somebody has felt abandoned or rejected or bullied at a very young age. You know, I always, right. I always relate, you know, <coughs> the traumas, the emotional traumas that we have in a childhood with how we live in our sexuality when we're grown up, because I feel like it has a lot to do with how open we are or how shut down we are. Well, because sexuality is such a vulnerable aspect of our lives and intimacy that if you have had issues early on that affected your uh, ability to be vulnerable, when you do get older and you're in that situation, exactly right, is that as soon as you open up to be vulnerable, most people will shut down immediately if it's, you know. I had another uh, female come in saying that she had difficulty with orgasms. And when I was talking to her, I found out that one time she had one for the first time with her partner and... He laughed because mm. he was so uncomfortable with it. He laughed because he said her face was making her, she was making a funny face. And after that, the last thing that she's going to try to do is have an orgasm because she feels like he's going to be looking at her face. So right away, she stopped. So that feeling of vulnerability that she was able to let out that one time was blocked immediately. Yeah, and that, that reminds me, that gave me chills because that reminds me a lot of like um, main reason why so many people uh, look to be intimate in the dark. Like right. they choose to be in the dark it's because it's safe. Like, <laughs> like you're just tinting, <laughs> like blindfold. Well, that's exactly like, oh, you can't see this roll, this fat roll. You can't see my saggy boob. You can't, <laughs> you know, it's, it allows people to be a little more vulnerable in a safer, you know, safer place. The darkness of it. 
Yes, which is like not a shame, but it's like interesting because how can we live our life in the darkness, right? Like uh, uh, the greatest power that we have of intimacy, like just live it in the darkness. It's like it's like so much more and juiciness in the light <laughs> too. Exactly. Right? No, uh, lots of juiciness in the light. <laughs> it's like you know, be like. You know, it's like, I don't know, even at the beach, like sunlight right on top of you. (laughs) But you know what? If you're the type of person who has maybe not been hurt like that before or has the confidence, Mm -hmm. I know with me, if someone makes fun of me or someone says something, I'm going to be like, whatever. I'm confident in who I am. You don't like these roles? You will think that I look fat hanging over when I'm on top of you? That's fine. Whatever you, you know, (laughs) I am in that place where I'm confident in my sexuality because I don't really, I've gotten to that point where I don't really care what people think, but there's a lot of people that are, that are very insecure and worried, especially if it's their partner that they supposedly love and that they love them back. Um, you know, but year after year after year of getting worn down by that, um, of that feeling of insecurity or that they're not good enough or that, you know, they have some some issue with themselves it can it can definitely cause a problem in the intimacy department yeah so what i think i'm hearing from you is that developing the muscle of confidence we say like sexual confidence um Mm -hmm. uh, you know some people talk about sexualness confidence that aliveness um is is a, a great tool or a great path for us to experience greater intimacy so how can somebody that's been going through so much in their life and their sexuality and has been have these fears of judgment, their rejection, you know, this aspect of insecurity, how could they start developing, um, you know, that confidence of being the masters, right? That right. We are. <laughs> the master sex goddess. Yes. <laughs> or God. <laughs> or God. Um, well, it's, it's all about, you know, sexual empowerment. It's not female empowerment it's not male empowerment it's just sexual empowerment because there's many women and many men that have femininity and masculinity so they men need to be confident in their ability to be vulnerable and their ability to have that feminine side and not feel like because there's many women that do put down men if they're a little bit more feminine Mm -hmm. but yet you know that's them and you can look at that as a weakness but I look at that as a strength because they're being who they are and same thing with women it's it's all about looking within and saying that you know I have this body I deserve to have pleasure I deserve to be happy I can do whatever makes me feel good and say to yourself if let's say I have an orgasm and my partner's looking at me and I make a funny face and he laughs What's the worst thing that could happen? Okay, so they laughed. But did I feel good? Hell yeah, that was a mind-blowing orgasm. What do I care if I look funny? That felt good. (laughs) You know, so it's a little bit of just changing the mindset and saying to yourself, what is the worst that can happen or what is the worst thing that uh, my partner would do? Um, What the best thing to do is, is that after that situation happens, find out, you know, I've realized that that uh, man in the relationship felt awkward because he didn't know what to do. It was the first time his wife ever had an orgasm through sex. So he was almost giddy because he was so excited that he did something good 
but she took it in a way where he was laughing at her face. But they didn't communicate about it until they were in session with me. Mm -hmm. So that's why to get that sexual empowerment, you have to be able to communicate and find a way to connect to find out, okay, well, that wasn't cool. Why are you laughing at me when I'm having an orgasm? And see what they have to say. And that way you can just be on that same level and not feel like you're sinking down because someone's supposedly making fun when they really weren't. So, so one of the things that is, is fascinating to me, the level of communication, um, and when we're talking about, let's talk about that that situation where you are literally in the scene of lovemaking and having sex and having an orgasm. And I feel like many times, um, even myself, like sometimes I'm kind of like, I have a value of communication where it's like, we must address communication on the spot. <laughs> so it had to be addressed in a nice way, right? Like properly. Absolutely. Without guilt and shame and all that stuff. And, you know, it, it takes time to get to that level. And it had taken me years to get to that level. And I feel like people are not there yet to how to communicate during the moment, a specific moment. Because, you know, if you're laughing at me while I'm having an orgasm and like, and I'm, I'm looking at, at it and like, and I get triggered by it. You know, it's a moment where you automatically stop. It's a vulnerable moment. It's a vulnerable right. moment and you stop right away and you want to address it. You know, I will be like, you know, I just, you know, I would like to stop now. I feel triggered a little bit. I would like to, you know, share this, what I'm feeling with you and, you know, open communication. And my partner, we both are in the same place where, okay, I'm, let me listen to you and not taking from a point right. of taking personal Oh, but also not taking like that, you know, I did something wrong, but this is just the space right now. But a lot of people will never do that because they will right. feel like they want, they don't want to ruin the moment. They don't want to ruin the moment or they don't want to make their partner feel bad. But you're already you know? doing it. So <laughs> Exactly. And that's the point. It's a change of mindset is to think same thing when people fake it. They're faking it. They're tired and they just want to be done. So rather than just saying, Oh my God, honey, it's okay. I don't need to do it anymore. I'm tired. Don't worry about me. I just, you know, they're wanting to fake it to just get the deed done rather than talking with their partner and just saying, you know what? I'm just not, you know, mentally there because more so with women, I think, than men is that it does take a little more inner concentration for a woman to have an orgasm. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of men don't realize that it's okay for a lot of times if the woman doesn't feel like they're okay with having one, that they're still enjoying themselves. Mm -hmm. Not saying that we don't want to have them, (laughs) you know, but um, I just think that there's so much focus on performance rather there is on the pleasure. And because people are so afraid of saying to their partner that they're not performing properly or or the way they're performing is not satisfying for them, you don't learn how to have sex in school. There's no book to, well, there are books to read, <laughs> but there's nothing in class other than human anatomy and physiology to learn about the body parts. They don't teach you how to have pleasure. They don't teach you the focus of it. There are no rule conversations about it. Right. Because if a rule conversation happening in the moment, the, the teacher's going to be, you know, expelled because like... <laughs> 
Right. Yeah, that can happen. So it's it's it's, um there's no raw conversation like that's why this podcast is about having the raw conversations that we haven't had because right out of raw conversations we grow so much we evolve and we you know we embody the masters that we are because this is that's what we call a mastering is it's we all masters we just have to remember and embrace it. so I totally uh, resonate with you, and I love this conversation uh, when it comes to, you know, when you're not mentally there, it could be for men and women, and, and sometimes we're not taking the time to address what has actually happened with our partners, and we take as our duty to give them pleasure, and I feel like that's one, like, something very disempowering, to me, it's something very disempowering, where right. my partner would take the job of, like, it is my job to give you pleasure, and I feel like that it, it you know, is really doesn't work well. Um, right. It is my job to surrender for myself and you know, and you be can, in the moment. And be in the moment, and it's my job to deal with my inner critic, uh, critic, and my conflict that I have within myself because, or wherever I am in my life, stress or business or. I need to shut down my mind. It is my job to be the master of my mind and, like, turn it off and be in that. Uh, but I feel like it is empowering for our partners to take that at their job. So what would you like to share on that? Like, anything else? Elaborated. No, I agree because so many times I hear in, in heterosexual relationships where you have um, the man saying more so than the female, they're saying... Um, I have to give my partner an orgasm. Or, I'm sorry, the woman says, well, he didn't give me an orgasm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's his job to give me an orgasm. And it's like, no, it's your job to allow yourself to be open enough and being in the moment to have that orgasm. And many times they get frustrated at their partner because they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But I asked them, I said, do you guide them? Do you explain to them what you want? Well, I don't know. They should know. No, they don't know. Everybody's different. Every person reacts differently. Woman, male, everybody connects with their bodies differently. But so many times that I find um, there's so much more shame with women and masturbation than, than I've ever seen. And I said, if you don't know your own body and you don't know how to give yourself pleasure and what it feels like to just be without that fear of rejection and all that, I said, then you're not going to be able to per- to help your partner find the right way and guide them the right way. They don't know, and they're looking for guidance. And if you don't talk, because there's so many people that are afraid to say anything, and they, they keep quiet through sex, guide them. Guide them and say, oh, yeah, right there, that feels good. Or, oh, do a little harder. Oh, you know, but no one wants to talk, and they just sit there, and they're just like, God, what are they doing? Why are they touching there? What are they? Oh, my God, that's so, so sloppy. You know, how do they know? And then they get annoyed that their partner doesn't know what they're doing or get annoyed that their partner didn't give them an orgasm. Yeah. So what you were saying about being in the moment, and, and um, I think that's one of the most important things is just allowing yourself to get the pleasure out of it and enjoy. So I love this conversation because, like, you know, when I was married, my marriage, you know, I was the one in the relationship that I was expecting that my husband, because he's the one that had the penis, had to pleasure me. And right. I, I didn't do any kind of self-pleasure 
or anything that had to do with dildos or anything because I put the duty that my partner, it was his obligation. So I definitely agree with you that, you know, we have this, I don't know, it is the social the conditioning. Mm-hmm. The expectation right. of social conditioning of, of that we are trained to think that way. And that's what you mentioned, like changing the mindset um, right. back to ourselves and be like, hey, it is my job. It is my duty for myself. It's not even a job, J-O-B, but it is my, you know, my responsibility with myself as a human You know, it's team. your privilege. Yeah, yeah. Pleasure is your privilege. And Another thing is that I just wanted to mention, um, many times the partner may do or have sex just out of so-called obligation. Mm -hmm. That cannot ruin intimacy more because all it does is build resentment because you're looking at it as a job, as an obligation, and not as a privilege to feel pleasure. And so many times you'll have the partner having sex just to have it, just to get the partner off their back, just to please them and just be like, okay, you know what? I haven't done it in two weeks. I have to do it now. Otherwise, I'm going to be bothered again. Right. You know, and you don't think that partner feels that? That's like slap in the face. The partner knows when their partner is not being real majority of the time, you know? And that just makes them feel less than. It doesn't make them feel desired. Just as you would want to feel desired and loved and and looked at with um, passion and, you know, uh, someone being proud of you, the other person wants to feel that way too. So doing something out of obligation. I mean, once in a while you're tired and you're okay with it and you're like, you know what, yeah, you know, that's fine. I could do it. I, I don't mind. Whatever. But other times, some people are just like, oh, God, i got to do this because I don't want to have to do it again next week or whatever. You're, not, you're, you're looking at it as a job and not as a privilege to be pleasured. Yeah. And also, to me, it's um, self-rape. I call it that to myself yeah. because I'm raping myself. You know, right. I'm, I'm using my body as the tool to get, you know, get away from... Right. From my reality of my commitment with myself to say no, my boundaries. So to me, it's like, you know, I have been in situations like that. People think like, oh, my God, Lucia Gabriela must be the most sex goddess on the planet. And my gosh, must be amazing. And I can say that, you know, there are moments in my life or weeks in my life that I'm like, fuck no. I don't right. anything. <laughs> like, I'm tired. You know, I have a business. I have to go to school. I have a child. And my partner, right. I, my partner's like, hey, honey, let's just do a quickie. And I'm like, no, sweetie. I'm like, no. It's like. I mean, I said, right. I can, I can, I can say it, not even negotiate. I can say it clearly. I said, but it's, you know, I can do it. You can use my body, but I'm gonna know that I'm gonna be self-raping myself. So when I share that perspective, my partner understands. Like, no, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. You know, it's like right. I'm not doing it. I give other people options, and I say, you know what? If you're not in the mood to just lay there and do it, do something fun instead. We're going to a shower and. Do something fun, wash each other off, and then give a, you know, give your partner a quick little uh, feel up or whatever you need to do to help your partner get off that way. If you're not in the mood for it personally, physically, if you don't want to be invaded physically, there's still other ways to please your partner. 
you know, you can bring a toy, you know, into the shower. You can use your hand. You can use your mouth. You can, I mean, there's other things to do. If you're tired, take a little bath together and at least still have some of that intimacy. Don't completely push away the intimacy. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to be together where you're giving each other orgasms. But what happens so many times is when the person's not in the mood, they completely separate from the intimacy. And so what happens is that the more and more that's done, the more and more the other partner is feeling rejected. Then when they do finally get together, of course they're going to want sex, mm-hmm. you know, because it's been a while. So that's why if you don't have sex, let's say for two weeks, there has to be intimate moments within that time. If you're tired, have your partner give you a massage. When you're not tired, offer to give your partner a massage. Do different things that at least has no expectation of sex and make, you know, make it clear. Just say, I'm not, I'm tired. I'm not really in the mood for sex right now, but I definitely want to give you some pleasure and I definitely would love to be able to make you feel good and do it that way. So that way, at least you're still keeping that bond, that touch, because that's where touch aversion many times happens. Because you don't go, you go two weeks with no touching because you're afraid if you touch, you're going to have to have sex. Mm. So you stop touching. Yes, that's a good point because I find like <clears throat> working with couples, it's one of that's the biggest, uh, biggest things that we find is that the level of expectation that if you have, if you're touching your partner, you feel like, oh, that means that he wants sex or you do doing right. this ritual or you go in the bath together, just chill in the bath or the hot top or the pool or just on the grass lay on the grass naked whatever on the snow naked <laughs> whatever wherever you are I was going to say we're in Florida we don't have snow <laughs> yeah me too so, so wherever you are and, and just create those moments of intimacy where there's no expectation of sex because I feel like right. having that expectation of sex all the time sexualizing I feel like sexualizing intimacy is kind of like it's a burden. It's like, it's really kind of like separated us more than actually connecting us. Right. And, and that's where you get into the performance versus pleasure. You're yes. focusing just on performance. Yes. I love this because what I think I'm hearing from you too is to create uh, rituals, create experiences where there's right. no expectation, but there are intimacy. Like one example of intimacy that you can provide, uh, where there's no expectation of leading to sex, besides the, you know going in the bath together. Something else that they can do, like laying on the bed, just naked, just watch. You know, in tantra, we do eye to eye gazing, like just breath to breath. You know, heart to heart connection. Um, you know. What other thing can you... Well, it could be something simple as just um, laying on the couch together, watching a movie, and giving each other foot massages. You know, laying side, you know, across each other and just holding each other's feet and just giving each other massages. Or um, going into the patio and sitting there with, if you drink a glass of wine, um, find some of those books that have like 101 questions about sex or 101 questions about love or whatever it is and just ask each other questions. Try to learn a little bit more about your partner. But it has to be where you're spending time because if you're not, you know, those are types of things that are going to bring that bond and bring some more intimacy. Um, Laughing. Laughing is very important. You know, when you have a date, don't have a normal date like a dinner and a movie if you're feeling bored. I mean, if you're not feeling bored and you're still happy in your relationship, 
like I am. We go to dinner and movies every single weekend and absolutely love it, but I'm feeling like I have a very successful relationship. But for people that are feeling stagnant, change it up. Go to a comedy club. Um, go out laughing and then take a walk along the beach and then just sit there on one of those chairs or bring a chair to blanket and just make out. You know, if you have sex, you might get arrested, but that might be fun to try later on. But if you go to the beach and you know that you don't have the expectation for sex, you can enjoy each other in an environment that is very romantic, that you can still be intimate and kiss and hug and and uh, just feel that connection. Mm, beautiful. So for couples, these, these are, feel like these are great uh, tools and practices for couples who are just recently feeling <clears throat> A little separated, you know, it could be a couple weeks and a couple, maybe a couple weeks. Um, how about the couples who are in long-term marriages, 20, 30 years marriages, and they haven't had intimacy or sex for years? Like, what could be one of the safest um, practice that they can start? Um, because even holding hands is not there. Even, like, uh, massaging the foot well, is not there. Right. I mean, they're basically considered friends. And many times, depending on how long a relationship is, um, it's, it can be almost impossible to get back into having sex if you haven't been in a, in a relationship with sex from over many years. But there's always that possibility to rebuild some of that intimacy. You never know unless you try. So what I usually do is I've had people come in where, um, let's say they haven't had sex for three years. I think if after like six to eight months or so you haven't had any sex you're kind of considered a sexless relationship but what happens is that once you get into a sexless relationship many times that intimacy stops you're basically living together as very good friends roommates Um, roommates right and some people are content with that but if you do want to start getting back into the uh, swing of things the first thing to do is hug you know, kissing may be too intimate for them. Hand-holding may be too intimate and too uncomfortable because you're not used to having any touch. Mm-hmm. But what I tell people, um, I ask people is, when was the last time you guys gave each other a hug? Not just, you know, you walk in the door and, hi, honey, I'm home, and you give a little pat on the shoulder. But I say, you know, when was the last time you actually held the person in your arms, kept them for, like, at least 20 seconds, not looking at your watch <laughs> to count the time, but sit there and smell their skin, take in the warmth of their body, feel the comfort in their arms, um, and just feel, just being there with your partner. And I had one, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it, I wrote it in my book also about this one couple because it was just a beautiful thing. They were having such struggles, and I brought the situation up to them, and I brought the exercise up to them. And the husband leaned over to the wife and went to go give her a hug because I had brought up the exercise and they hadn't hugged each other like that in a long time. And all of a sudden he just took a big whiff of her like neck and her hair and and then just started bawling, started crying. And she started crying. I started crying. I've never cried in a session before. And I'm like, you see what you're doing to me? It was so emotional and so powerful what a hug can do. Mm. And it just made them realize this, we have not, hugged each other in such a long time with intention, with purpose. So just something as simple as a hug can start bringing some life back into a relationship. Mm, that's beautiful. I love um, I love hugs and um, 
You know, I love when we create like cuddle bliss. It's one of our events where we it's about hugging and cuddling and things like that. And um, but I always felt like hugging was more intimate than holding hands. And you mentioned that holding hands is more intimate than hugging. I'm, I'm a Latina, so I'm so used to you know hugging and holding right. hands. I don't know. So that's me. But well, that's it, interesting. It, it was weird because I guess it's kind of what you're used to. In in my situation, I was in a relationship prior where we never held hands Mm. but I was much more comfortable giving them a hug because holding hands kind of made you feel like I don't know I just I just felt that it was a way to just be close and for I mean it's it's different for everybody we do kissing you know because hand holding is good but if if it's like I, I can't. I'm, I don't even know what I'm saying right now because I'm trying to picture the situation. Again, again, I think like what what you're talking about because let's say to me holding hands. The only times I have rejected holding hands, and I say the word rejected, is because mm-hmm. I have felt in, uh, uncomfortable about holding a hand of this person because publicly it would look like we're together. And I won't hold hands because I want to make a statement that I am not together with this person. I can hug you and I can cuddle you. But to me, at, at that point, it's like holding hands. Um, it, it, to me, it's like a public announcement that we are intimate. Well, right. So holding hands was a little more intimate for you than just hugging somebody. At, now that you're pointing it out, yes. I'm like, because... <laughs> The, my the public ex and statement. I, yes. yes, it was my ex and I never, ever, ever held hands. Mm. But yet the hugging was something that I can do comfortably. Mm. And if I had to hold his hand like later on, let's say 10, 20 years into the marriage, it was very awkward, mm. very uncomfortable. It was just not it, it didn't feel right. But now in my relationship, if I'm not holding his hand, it feels uncomfortable, mm. <laughs> you know. So it could just be the situation you're in, whether it's... But usually what I do is when I'm coaching somebody, I'll say, is this comfortable for you? Do you think this is something you can do? And if they're not comfortable with it, we can start with just holding hands. We can start with sitting next to each other on the couch, just with your hands on each other's legs. You have to work with the, the client on its own and see what's best for them. So if you're talking to people or people that are listening, say, there's no way that I can hug, but I can totally start trying to hold hands again, then that might be something for them to do but simple things yeah another thing that i was thinking because i have worked with people who like they cannot hold hands and they cannot hug that's way too intimate and one of the things i say is like what about eye gazing you know like eye gazing for like just like less than 30 seconds and sometimes that could be like an introduction but some people will feel like eye gazing is more intimate a hundred percent a hundred percent i had someone walk into my office and trying to increase their intimacy and it was a um uh, a great uh, women, couple, couple of women, and and the first thing she says when she walks in the room, she goes, "Okay, I'm not really all about this, but if you tell me I have to gaze into her eyes, I'm done." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, can you at least hold her hand?" <laughs> you know, so I think these little things, just something simple as in eye gazing, hand holding, hugging, um, sitting on a couch with your hand around your partner, with your hand on their leg. You have to kind of see what's best for you and your partner and what would be easiest to do. Yes. What feel comfortable, like you were mentioning. But you have to go out of the box a little bit because you don't want to mm-hmm. be comfortable. That's you true. want to push some boundaries 
to be able to make change. Mm-hmm. Staying in your comfort zone is not going to change you. Yeah. Staying in the comfort is not going to um, invite more intimacy. Like, intimacy right. is such a, like, beautiful, incredible journey of transformation and getting to know ourselves more. Right. That it definitely is going to lead us to being that edge. And it's like, hmm, what else? <laughs> what more? Exactly. And <laughs> then there. you go in the next step and the next step and the next step. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I, I, and I was, when you were talking about the hands and the station with your husband, I was thinking about, like, um... Maybe there's something that shut me down in my relationship with my ex-husband was that, you know, to me, intimacy is holding hands. And I remember that I, 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 I would hold hands and I'm a kind of like, like central person, like a touchy person. So mm-hmm. I will be like, you know, holding hands and, you know, touching the hands and moving. And and I he will be like, he will shut me down and be like, no, you know, like people are going to think that we want sex. So I think that, <laughs> that he, because... I was like nineteen twenty when I, you know, when right. we met, and for me that was, you know, that was like, oh, delicious, and mm. just his thinking of like people are gonna think that you know I'm sexual, it's just holding hands. So I think like that created like kind of a little trauma to me. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. When when I had my boyfriend trying to hold my hand all the time, I'm like, God, this feels a little weird. People might look at us because it was twenty something years where I never held someone's hand, mm. so it was awkward. It was awkward yeah. to do that at first, and now it's like, excuse me, you just walked 10 feet, and you haven't held my hand? What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know? Okay. So I think it's what you're used to or what your relationship had at the beginning mm-hmm. that you want to try to get back. Awesome. So to wrap it up, this amazing conversation about um, back to intimacy, you know, and couples, um, we talk about how important it is to create a space to have open and clear communication uh, when it comes to a relationship, intimacy, and sexuality, and also to explore, um, you know, depending where you are and where you have stopped the intimacy in your relationship, to explore together uh, what feels feels good to start intimacy again. It could be by holding right. hand, it could be by eye gazing, it could be by hugging, it could be by just like laying next to each other on the couch, it could be just I don't know, um, brushing the teeth together <laughs> in the mirror, looking at each other. I don't know, like simple, silly things that I can bring some juiciness into the relationship. Um, anything else that you would like to add up um, into uh, wrapping up uh, a statement? Um, no, I just think everything you just said is, is, is great. I mean, it's all about figuring out what do you want to do with your relationship and where do you want to be? And what goals do you want to reach? And then do form yourself an action plan if you can't find the help of a professional. But find a way to take at least the next step. What is something that is comfortable enough to get you a little bit out of your comfort zone that you can do different? Mm -hmm. Change it up. You have to change it up, whether it be the place that you go for dinner, whether it be the thing that you do for the evening or the conversation that you have. Go online, do some searches on what to do to increase intimacy, and work on it every single day. It takes at least 30 days to build a habit. So you want to do something, build momentum, and keep it up, and don't let it slack. Mm. Yeah, so important to build that momentum for 30 days, definitely. Uh, I remember studying with David Wolf. We talk about transformation, about the life and health and all that. He talked about 100 days. 
So it was like in days, his, yeah, probably, yeah. In his research, it was 100 days to really uh, create a new see the habit, change. a new ritual, and, and see the change and right. transcend and release the old habit. So, um, yeah, pump it up to 100 days and see how it exactly. happens. <laughs> exactly, and then let us know. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Stacy. Thank how, you. How our community can find you? Where can they go to you if they would like to learn more from you? Um, I do work with people, like I said before, all over the world. So people can work with me on Skype, on the phone, and in the office. I'm working in uh, South Florida. My website is drstacy.org, and it's d-r-s-t-a-c-y.org. And so all my information is there. They can email me, call me, and um, check that out. And also one other thing is I do have a book that I just wrote that came out in May about increasing intimacy. It's called Confessions and Lessons of a Sexpert. Mm -hmm. And that could be found at drstacybook.com. So it's D-R-S-T-A-C-Y and then book. And for a paperback, it's on Amazon. Awesome. I appreciate that. Thank, Thank you, you so much. It was good talking to you. Take care. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on today's show. And if you have enjoyed it, please subscribe, share with your friends, and leave us an outstanding review. Until next time.